Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, so we are celebrating Independence Day this weekend, right? We're celebrating independence from Great Britain. Then we are celebrating that our nation was founded on our Heavenly Father's principles, right? So I'm going to share with you a little bit of the Declaration of Independence. Is that okay? All right. 1776. This is what our forefathers wrote. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, the capital C, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Our, Constitution, our, our, our Declaration of Independence was written by this promise that we are endowed by our Creator. Endowed means provided for, supplied by, and given by the Creator. So we became independent from Great Britain, but we were dependent upon God. This nation was founded on the dependence of God, our Heavenly Father. And you can see this battle going on right now in our nation, right? And back when Joe Biden was running for president, his slogan was, battle for the soul of a nation. And if that wasn't truth-telling, that should have opened our eyes right away for what was to come, right? We could see it playing out. Hey, if you don't like your gender, why don't you go ahead and change it? If you don't want to be a woman today, you could be a cat. <laughs> and that's the truth we giggle, but it's true, right? Right? You could be a grown man acting like a baby if that's what you identify with. So the enemy wants to remove our dependence from God and place dependence on ourselves, right? Satan is a self-worshipping spirit. His, his goal is to turn our eyes from God and to put it onto ourselves. So therefore, we worship ourselves and we worship him. And this battle has been going on since the fall of man, right? Since the beginning in the garden. In the garden of Eden, when Eve took a bite of the apple because she was convinced by Satan that to have doubt in her heart. When he said, did God really say you couldn't take a bite of this? And she said, mm, let me take a bite and try some. Adam didn't step in, right? So therefore, the beginning of the battle starts, the war of dependence. And that's the title of my message this morning, the war of dependence. <clears throat> and if you read your Bible, which I encourage all of you to do, right, often, daily, you'll see this war play out throughout it. So Noah is one example in Genesis 6, 6. God wanted to wipe out the whole world because we went independent from him. We became wicked. We were doing our own thing. So God said, well, I'm going to wipe you all out. Thankfully, he found Noah, Noah that was a righteous man, and the animals. <laughs> he let the animals live two by two, right? But everyone else got wiped out. And we think that that's some kind of Sunday school story that we tell kids, oh, Noah made this boat and the animals were saved. But no, that is a true story. The earth was wiped clean. That means 
Could you imagine just us right here in this room getting wiped out? That's only like this much <laughs> compared to the whole world, right? That was, that's bad news when we come apart from God and take our dependence into our own hands. And then during the time of Moses, right, when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, time after time, God had to show up and show the people that they could depend on him. When Moses went up to the mountain in Exodus 32, the people got scared. They freaked out because he was up there for a long time. So they took matters back into their own hands. And they put all their gold together, and they created a golden calf. And they said, let's worship this thing instead. So God got really, really mad at the people. He wanted to wipe them out too. But fortunately for them, Moses contended for them, and, they, and he set stuff right. But also, there was lots of lives lost during that time when that happened because um, Moses said, hey, go kill a friend, a brother, and a neighbor. And then God still sent a plague upon him. So even though Moses contended from him, God was angry because he led them out of Egypt. And then they straight away went to worshiping an, a cow, a, a false idol, right? And then fast forward to Jesus' time. Everywhere Jesus went, there was miracles, signs, and wonders. But the people, the Pharisees, they were so dependent on their own knowledge of what they thought the Messiah was going to be, their own religion, that they missed out on him. And even after Jesus was resurrection, resurrected, in Matthew 28, 17, the remaining 11 disciples, this is what it says about them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So even, they saw, even though they saw Jesus die on the cross, resurrected, standing right before them, some of them still doubted. So it is within us to war against this thing on a daily basis that keeps us from being dependent on God or not dependent on God. And I want to share three battles that each of us face every single day, every day, okay? The first battle, the first battle is the battle of independence, right? So let me tell you the definition of dependence, because I'm nerdy. I like words. I like the Webster Dictionary. I like to read the encyclopedia. If anybody ever wanted to get me a gift, Encyclopedia Britannica, remember that? It was like, where they sell it at your door when we were back in the 80s? <laughs> I would love that. Just to say. <laughs> okay, so the battle of independence. Now, this battle I'm going <clears> to <throat> start with, because this was my biggest battle. This is my battle that I fight every single day. So dependence means the quality or state of being dependent the quality or state of being influenced or determined by are subject to another. Reliance and trust are, are attributes of dependence. Independence is the opposite. opposite. It means self-sufficient, self-support, self-reliant. Self is the key to independence. So the battle of being self-reliant or relying on God usually comes from trust issues, right? Maybe how we grew up in our home, being offended by others, and the church being offended. You come in, I can't really trust these people because these church people, right, they're perfect here on a Sunday, but what do they do Monday through Saturday? I've seen them online and Instagram, and we get all judgy. We come from churches where people were people. So we come into our, our, this church, our house. This is the house of God. This is the house of God. We are the people doing our best to represent him, 
But at the end of the day, this is the house of God. So for myself, um, I didn't grow up in a house where I had dependable parents. My dad was in the Navy. He was gone most of my time, most of my life until I was 13 when he got out. And he was in the bottom of a ship, deployed year after year after year. He was my hero, but he was gone. And when he was home, he was very quiet. He was very internal. He said very few words. And then my stepmother was very frustrated with life. She's very angry. She's very bitter. So in my house, we didn't learn how to deal with feelings or disappointments or discouragements or failures because we were all taught to internalize it. Oh, you, you feel sad? Well, you better work it out, right? Can anybody else relate to that? Okay, thank you. I don't want to be on my own. <laughs> So in my house, my house, because of that, it was built around fear, right? Fear of abandonment. My dad's going again. Fear of rejection from my mom because she didn't want to deal with me. She didn't know how to have a girl. That was her excuse. I don't know how to raise a girl. And because she was my stepmom, um, I was different, different from her. She's a beautiful white lady. <laughs> and I'm a beautiful Polynesian lady. <laughs> so... She didn't, she didn't quite know what to do with me. I had crazy curly, frizzy hair that was a mess, and I had a fro until I learned how to figure it out myself, <laughs> which unfortunately took me into seventh grade. So from birth till seventh grade, I had big, frizzy, froey hair. It wasn't the 70s, so it wasn't cool. <laughs> but but this is how this is how how dysfunctional my home was. My beautiful Coco um, comes running down the stairs, right? I'm typing away, busy, running down the stairs yesterday. Mom, mom, can you put my hair into a high ponytail? Because she was going off to cheer practice. And I was like, of course I can. So I'm like putting her hair in a high ponytail, giving her a little kiss on the cheek, because she's my girl. But it took me back to when I was 14. I would have never, ever asked my mom to put my hair in a ponytail because she would have rejected me. I knew how she felt about me. I knew how she felt about my hair. So just a simple, I mean, that's a very simple example, but that's the kind of house I grew up in. <laughs> I had to take care of myself. And by the time I was 16, I was determined not to be stuck in that little small town of Plant City, Florida. So I was gonna do what I needed to do to get out of there and take my life into my own hands and make a better life for myself. So what other way to do that? My parents were getting divorced. There was no college money. I was a fly by the seat of my pants kind of student, like C's, you know, like just enough to get by. Coco, don't write that down. Get A's. So I would just do, I would just do the bare minimum to get by because, you know, I was trying to survive everyday life at home. So at school, that's like just extra pressure to do there. So I was like, well, I'm going to join the Navy. I'll be like my dad. My dad, <laughs> but unfortunately, what I didn't realize that I was doing was carrying on a generational dysfunction. As soon as my dad turned 17, he was out of his home, never went back. And I, and I did the same thing. <laughs> but we're changing that, right, Coco? You're going to live with me in my basement until you get married. <laughs> oh, I gave her, I got her permission to talk about her today, by the way. And she was okay with it. She was. She was okay with it. 
But then, right, you put a personality like mine into the military. And I, it was wonderful because the military is very performance-driven. If you don't perform, if you don't make rank, then you get out. So you have to perform. You're competitive. You're working hard. You're doing what you need to do. I was in healthcare, so my job, there was very little room for error because it could hurt or harm a patient. So I was, my job was called independent duty corpsman. <laughs> so independent was in my job title. So it was like perfect, perfect for me. And I was determined. I worked hard. I got promoted quickly. I got into leadership roles quickly. And that was all good and great. But guess what? When I retired, I realized that that performance, that hard work, was all bred out of dysfunction. It was all bred out of fear of abandonment. It wasn't bred from a place of health. And in Proverbs 28, 26, it says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. So unbeknownst, I was living foolishly because I wasn't depending on God, right? Even when I was saved, because I wasn't saved until I was 25. So in the middle of being saved, when I would see patients, I would pray, ask the Holy Spirit, help me with this patient, but I would still second guess myself over and over. Even though I knew for sure by 100% I was giving the right medicine, I would still sleep, lose sleep at night. Did I give that person the right medicine? And it's like torment, right? When you live in that kind of independence, performance, perfectionist world, it's torment. So I was tormented by my decisions because I was depending on myself for those decisions. <laughs> Even though I invited the Holy Spirit in, I didn't trust him enough either. To, I was still second-guessing. And because um, I never learned right how to share my feelings and disappointments or pains and failures, um, over the past few months, that's something that God has really just said, hey, we're, it's time to work through. And it's time to to work on these traumas of your heart because you've given me my heart. Now give me your time to work on them because God, he, he's not a God that's just going to magically, poof, you're great, <laughs> right? Because then I wouldn't have a testimony to be sharing up here with y'all. <laughs> so, so, so in my own world, right, because that's what we do. We internalize everything in our brain. We fix ourselves in our brain. We get in our heads. That's another way we say it. So I would just cope with whatever offenses, whatever hurts, even my wants, my needs, praises. I would do it all in my head. And then if I was wounded or hurt, I would just go for a surf, go for a run, and I would magically feel better. But it was only magical for a moment, right, before the thoughts start coming back. The pain is still there. So this is really sad. You guys should feel sad for me. God, God said, hey, stop surfing. He cut me off cold turkey for like, I'm still, I, he still, he let me go back a couple times for my birthday. But other than that, he, I'm still like benched from surfing. <laughs> he said, because I want your time, your full time, your full attention. Bring those things to me. And I didn't know how to bring it to him because in the surf, you're in the water, you're in nature. You're like, this is us, God. He's like, no, you're trying to catch waves. <laughs> <laughs> so, because I would pray, God, send me some waves. He's like, I'm tired of sending you waves. Get out. Let's, let's work on your heart. So instead, he's had to show me a new way, right? Journaling with him, just chatting with him. Do you know that's 
prayer, like God talks back. You just talk to him, right? You just say, God, my heart hurts. Can you show me? God, people said, they see this in me. Can you show me? Right? Because that's why they're called blind spots. We don't always see the things. But thank God I have people in my life that says, Kat, there's something, something we need to work on. And I said, oh. And you lean in. Oh, tell me more. And then I'm going to take those things to God, and we're going to sort it out. Right? So we need, so we need, we need friends. We need those people. Let people speak into your life, and you sort it out against what God has to say about you. Thank God I have a Jesse, my sweet man. <laughs> but for the first, for the first, I don't know, half of our marriage, depending on Jesse, depending on our marriage, was hard. It was a struggle. And when you live in that kind of life, you think, oh, this is too good to be true. Like, it's only going to last a bit. My parents got divorced, all this stuff. In the military, everyone's getting divorced. We're just going to be another statistic. So you could self-sabotage. But luckily, I have a husband that stuck it out with me through thick and thin, through the trials. And he said, I'm not going anywhere. So now I know that I can depend on my hubby. Okay. All right. So I'm reading this book. It's really good. It's called Isolating Insecurity Before It Isolates You. And it's by, it's by Paul DeJong. Um, and he says this in the book. Discouragement is usually the outcome of disappointments that, that have not been handed back to God. Isn't that so good? So what I realized that I've been carrying around, I just turned 44. I've been carrying around a 44-year-old discouraged heart. And it was beginning to show on my face. Because this is what it says in Proverbs 27, 19. And the message virgin, just as water mirrors your face, so your face mirrors your heart. And so the beautiful people that were speaking into me, they didn't quite know, right? Because I was so inside myself with my feelings and thoughts. But they could see it on my face. <laughs> they could see something on my face. And it was just discouragement. Like I came to the end of my own self. I was done trying to live off my own determination. I had to let go and release, start releasing things to God. I came to the end of my own determination, my own hard work. It can only take me so far in God's kingdom before God's like, are you ready? <laughs> you ready to turn over the will yet? I'm like, God, I, I, I got saved way back in 2005. Didn't I give you the will then? No, this is a daily battle, a daily battle for dependence, right, on our Lord and our Savior who loves us. And he loves our whole hearts, the good, the bad, the ugly, our failures. We don't have to be perfect in front of God. He already knows. Why hide, right? Give it to him. 2 Corinthians 12, 19 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon, upon me. Isn't that good? His grace is sufficient every single day. And if we don't give our weaknesses over to God, how does the power of Christ rest upon us? Right? Now we're starting to play Christianese, if you will. Because we're like, yeah, the power of God. We're going to be prayer warriors. We're going to do this, and we're going to take territory over here. But then our little hearts are like, help me, please. And they're crying out. Our hearts are crying out to God, but what about me And here? It matters. Everything matters to God. All right, the second battle. You ready? It's getting hot in here. Sweaty. Shake it out. All right. You guys with me? 
Yay, thank you, you're honored. All right, the second battle is the battle of codependence. And this is where we battle depending on others to give us our worth and our value versus God giving us our worth and our value. And we think of codependence, we imaginally think of like the man that lives in his basement that's 40 years old, that hasn't had a job, that just kind of like flies by with his parents. We're not talking about that kind of codependence. We're talking about the kind of codependence that we all face every day when we face man, right? We look to man to sign our worth and our value. And because I grew up with that mindset, right, that I wasn't valuable, that I wasn't worthy, when I became saved as a Christian, I started to look to, like, my pastors, right? They could assign my value. They could assign my worth. But that was actually very misaligned. Only God could assign our value and our worth. And I remember in the younger, the younger days at the church, I would assign my value on worth, and worth based on the job that the leaders gave me, right? So if they gave me a job that was like, taking care of the nursing mom's room, I felt like I was only worthy of taking care of the nursing mom's room. But that's, that's backwards, right? If I had known my worth in God, then I could do that assignment wholeheartedly going, yeah, I'm going to take care of the nursing mom's room. I'm going to do it gladly because I don't get my worth from that. I get my worth from the Lord. <laughs> and Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And when you are basing your worth and your value from what man says about you, it, it, it becomes a codependent thing, right? And then you get things like soul ties, and you're battling spiritual forces that are keeping you tied to people that you've tied your worth to instead of with your heavenly father, and because I became so dependent on the approval of man, it just added even more to the anxiety, the worry in my head. Did I say this right? Did I do that right? And then when I would talk to people, that worry and anxiety would just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it makes work and it makes no sense what I just said. <laughs> Does anybody relate to that? Right? Like you're trying to say what's on your heart, but it comes out like, like dumb. And you're like, I'm not dumb, I promise. I don't know why that just came out dumb. It came out dumb because there's so many oppositions up here in your head. You've argued it through so many times in your own head that when it comes out in real life, it's all jumbled, right? All right. That's tough, huh? <laughs> what? Okay, but hey, there's good news. God loves us. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So for this battle, we have to humble ourselves. And we have to say, God, I repent of pride, pride of pitting myself above you, pride of pitting others above you, above you, pride of pitting my performance above you. And once we give over that pride, God could do something. Then he says, cast your cares and your worries on him because he cares about us. So you have to put things in right order first. If we keep a hold of that pride, keep a hold of that independence, but we're praying, God, will you take this anxiety from me? Will you take this worry from me? You got to go to the source. 
you got to flip things, or God will flip it for you, which is what he is doing in my life. He's flipping it for me. He's getting things back in order, and I am grateful for it. All right. So, and that's just one of the ways we could become codependent. We could become codependent on our spouses, on the government, on our bosses, on our pastors, on our friends. We could become codependent on the new trend counselors. And listen, when I grow up, I want to be a counselor. I have nothing against counselors. <laughs> but we save everything that's hurting and we give it to the counselor because we know the counselor is like by law confidential. They can't say anything. But but we're worried to give it to a friend, right? We're worried to give it to a leader because we don't want them to see the things that we struggle with. Okay. We can't do life without people and without others. I'm not saying that. We want you to be in a connect group. We want you to be surrounded by people, but we want you to know that people are people. We're not going to always get it right. And when we don't get it right, when you depend on the Lord, then you settle it with people and it's fine. You work it out. When, you, when it's the opposite and you don't depend on the Lord and you depend on the people, when they hurt you, you are hurt and you run, right? And the next thing you know, you're trying to find another church. You're trying to find another place to run to where people can't hurt you. It's just impossible. All right. Number three, the battle of circumstances. So this is the battle that we face when we're either going to focus on our circumstances or we're going to focus on the promises of God. And there are many circumstances, right? We all are facing multiple circumstances in our lives right now. And sometimes these circumstances can be overwhelming and we don't know what to do with them. But they're so big that we can only focus them. It consumes our life. And I'll give you an example of this. So my sweet Chloe, <laughs> um, she was going through a, a, a diagnosis of Caesars, right? And at the same time, our little fella, Evan, was going through a diagnosis of eczema. And both of those diagnoses, Caesars and eczema, are like, we don't really know what causes them. Maybe they'll grow out of them. Like they're like these unknown diagnoses that we do our best to wrap our minds around. But they consumed our life, right? Every morning we wake up, Evan's covered in more rashes because he's scratching through the night. He has to wear pajamas everywhere he goes. We have to drop him off at daycare like that. And I felt so shamed as a mother that my poor kid was suffering. My sweet girl was having 50 to 100 Caesars a day, but she was misdiagnosed when she was four. She was diagnosed with a behavioral tick. <laughs> and I even, I fought that diagnosis. I was like, that doesn't even make sense, but it, it didn't work. <laughs> I'm like, that, that doesn't make sense. She doesn't have a behavioral problem. But they said, oh, that's what it is. They discovered that in 20 minutes. So just always <laughs> go with your motherly heart, right? And I knew it was wrong, but we took, and that's when she was four. But we took our cocoa to an altar call, actually, with Pastor Andrew Kabbalah. We had him pray over her, and then she was healed. She didn't have one Caesar. That was when she was four. But then, but then when Evan came, those Caesars came back. She was nine at the time. So five years later, they came back, and they came back full force. There were, there's no denying that, that she had something going on. So her school, her school psychologist said, hey, we think it's she's having seizures. Go get her checked out. So this time I walked in 
to the doctor and I said, she's having seizures, check her out. And sure enough, they do a test and she's having, she got correctly diagnosed with seizures. But the only treatment for that was medications. The medications made her sick. So now we're in a battle of, okay, our kid is sick all the time. Do we do that or do we just let her have the seizures? And the seizures were so bad. She was at a school for performing arts. So she would be dancing and singing and just blink out. And then everybody would pause and wait patiently for her to come back. And they were like, oh, you just went to your own world again, Coco. And that was her life, going into her own world. And so it consumed me as a mom. Then my kids were struggling and I did not know what to do. I was in the battle of the circumstance or the promises of God, but I hadn't reached out and asked God what the promise was for my kids yet. And when I finally did, he said, hey, for Evan, I want you to stop worrying about him. The worrying is making it worse. Give him to me and stop worrying about it. Because we would get so many ointments from people. Um, We would try, he didn't eat anything. No milk, no eggs, no bread. We would get ointments from the doctor and nothing was helping. So then God said, stop worrying about it. I said, "What what does that mean, stop worrying about it? He said, stop all the ointments. Just give them this one lotion. It's just like petroleum jelly base, pretty much. Put that on there and just leave them. Leave them be, stop worrying over them. Sure enough, he's, he began to heal. And he has not had a sign of eczema since. He's beautiful. He is beautiful. And for my Coco, God said, hey, I want you to pray and fast over her. But me and Jesse had prayed. We fasted. We did communion. We anointed her head with oil. We were doing all the things in our might that we could. But God said, no, I want you to actually pray and fast. I'm like, but I, I fasted coffee for like a week. <laughs> I was not good enough. <laughs> He's like, no, go ahead and fast. And I'm like, what do you want me to fast? What do you think he had me fast? Surfing, yep, yep. So he goes, okay, you love to surf. You're gonna get that over. That's gonna be your fast. Six months later, that was a long fast. It took six months of praying and fasting for my girl. Just praying and fasting over her, healing over her, healing over her mind. And sure enough, one night, God said, okay, it's time. Go in her room, pray over her. She was just sleeping on her bed, little cutie. And I just put my hand on her head and I prayed, healing from those seizures. And I prayed and I commanded that deaf and dumb spirit to get out of her and to not come back. And she has not had a seizure since. She is beautifully and wonderfully made. Sometimes we have to fight, but the fight is when we give it to God. We have to release the fight and give it to God. And here's the promises of God that I want to encourage you with. Matthew 6, 33 to 34 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Isaiah 55, 8-9 says, God's plans are his. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than the ways and the higher than your ways and my thoughts, your thoughts. So we could depend on God when we don't know what to do, we declare his promises. 
That's all we have to do. There's nothing else we could do in our own strength. We have to give it to God. So with these three battles, the battle of dependence, the battle of codependence, and the battle of circumstances, I would be not doing you justice if I didn't give you a battle plan, right? How to, how to fight these battles. <laughs> so first, we're just gonna seek intimacy with God, right? We're gonna put on the full armor of God. In Ephesians 6, 13 through 18, it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I love that. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That means just chatting with God, right? You're praying, you're telling him your wants, your desires, your failures, your hurts, your pains. And it's a daily conversation. This is something that we have to do daily. Daily, we need to be in the word of God. We need to be strengthening and declaring his promises. And we do it by worshiping and praising and giving thanksgiving, even when we don't feel like it, even when our circumstances say otherwise, we still say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm giving it to you. And I praise you because you are good and you have a plan before me. And then and then do it with others. Like I said before, we cannot do this alone. In the military, you would never go into battle by yourself. In the military, they make you take a battle buddy to the bathroom. You can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. So, so don't go at war by yourself. You need others. You need others that will talk courage into you, that will strengthen you, that will tell you things that you maybe don't want to hear, right? Get into men and women's prayer get into a connect group, serve on a team, let others sharpen you. Because guess what? It's in the hard times, it's in the difficult times that we are strengthened and unified together. And this is a daily thing that we do, right? Daily surrender. Every single day, we surrender our forgiveness. We surrender our anxiety. We surrender our cares. We surrender our worries. And you know what the universal sign of surrender is, right? It's getting on your knees with your hands lifted. You say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that you do. And I give it all to you, right? In this position, you can't fight unless you're a skilled ninja. <laughs> but try, but try, try it later with your spouse, it'd be funny. But you can't, right? Pretend like this hands up. <laughs> Unless you're a skilled ninja, you're not fighting from this position, right? And you just close your eyes. And you say, God, I don't know why the things happened in my past that happened, but I know that you're with me and I know that you're for me and who or what can be against me. And you start declaring the things. I know this circumstance looks bleak right now, but I'm surrendering it to you. I'm on my hands and my knees. I'm at the end of myself. I'm at the end of my my work, I'm at the end of my performance, I'm at the end of my doing, and I'm giving it to you. So if that's you in here this morning, maybe you've never surrendered your life to God, maybe you don't know Jesus, and you wanna say, Lord, today is the day that I give you my whole heart, that I surrender. I'm gonna open up this altar 
to everyone. This altar is a place where lives get altered, where lives are transformed. This altar was built on the sacrifice of the people of this house to, to glorify God, to glorify his house. And this morning, if you have things that you need to surrender over to the Lord, I want you to come forward and open, um, the altar is open. I want you to come forward and I want you to surrender those things this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God wants to work. Sometimes he just wants us to make the first move. The first move. Can you do it in front of others? Can you do it without fear of man? Without fear of rejection? Can you come surrender all? Can you get on your hands? Can you get on your knees and say, God, I give it all to you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for all your people in this place today. Holy Spirit, that you are moving. You are doing only what you could do in this place. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that there is healing in this place. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I bind that spirit of performance, that spirit of fear that would have your people held in captivity. I bind that spirit of fear of rejection, fear of abandonment off of your people right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare the blood of Jesus over them. I thank you, Lord, that you die on the cross so that we can have freedom in this life, so that we can have victory in this life. I thank you, Lord, that you put us in this earth to rule and to reign over it, not to fear it, not to fear man, not to fear others, but to increase and to spread your good news and to love you with all of our hearts and to love others with all of our hearts. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are pitting your purposes inside of your people, that you are revealing the desires of their hearts. I see dreams that have been forgotten long ago coming to pass. Dreams that have been forgotten. Oh, Allie, gosh, come here, sweet. Come here, let's pray. Lift your hands. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. He sees you, Allie. He sees you. You are, you are like a diamond a diamond that cannot be replaced, a rare, rare gem, the only one unique, formed in its purposes. God is so proud of you. He's so proud of you. You're doing tough things and he sees it. You're doing hard things and he sees it. But there's a time of harvest coming. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that the time is coming. The time is coming. The time is now. You're coming into a harvest season, you and your hubby. And the harvest is good because you've planted seeds that the enemy cannot steal because the Lord himself rebuked the devourer on your behalf, on your behalf. He cannot have your seed, both physically and supernaturally. Physical seed, he cannot have it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your glory upon her. We thank you, God, for your people. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. As we come to a close of the service, I want 
all of you at the altar to feel free to stay and linger. And we're gonna have our ministry come and pray over you. And those of you that accepted Jesus, maybe for the first time today, we have my friend here, Laura. She's got a Bible and a following Jesus, a book that we wanna to get to you. And, but I wanna take this moment to not rush from the altar. If you're in your seats and you feel like you wanna come down for prayer, please do. Please don't start another week in the same old. Right, let's give it to God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.